This is episode number 137 of the Homeowner Show. Whether you're DIY or looking to hire, we're here to help you find the best information and options for you and your home. My name is Kevin Hackett, and here with me is Greg Williams. Hello, 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 and welcome to Homeowner Show. And yes, a frog did sneak down my throat and tackle my esophagus. Yeah, man. Um, I, I don't know what's happening with you, but we had a uh, really cool uh, episode that is going to go up at some point with Eric G that we recorded off of Clubhouse today. And man, I thought, this is weird. Craig sounds weird, y'all. Yeah, it's it's not my, my normal uh, castrato self, uh, for sure. Um, but it, it's all good because it doesn't matter how I sound as long as the content's good. And the content's definitely going to be good because we got an incredible guest today. Well, yeah, it's going to be a great show. So, so. yeah. And also, uh, apologies in advance in case uh, you hear some exterior noises. There's a there's a thunderstorm that's trying to make its way through, and of course that means that my dog feels the need to bark at the sky as if he has some sort of control over the situation. Oh. Um, so that's going on. Yeah. Well, that's that's always fun. I, I was driving over here and I was like, oh man, this is going to be um, it's gonna be interesting. I hope we don't have any issues. Because we definitely do have a uh, a storm coming in, so we'll oh, see what absolutely. happens. Yeah, so here, here's what's going on today, guys. Uh, we have Jill on the show over at from journeywithjill.net. Uh, she is also the author of the book, Vegetable Gardening for Beginners. And there's the dog right on cue. <laughs> and, oh, I'm going to space out on this. All right, we've got the Beginner's Garden podcast as well. She's the host of the Beginner Gardens podcast. So we, we have this massive content creator on the show tonight who yeah. wants to teach everybody about gardening. And like, I think this is this is a perfect conversation because this is the time of year, at least, at least for like the past two or three weeks, that we've definitely seen all the big box stores roll out their their seedlings and their plants and all their their spring vegetables and things like that. And so this is when people get really ambitious um, about their gardens. And and so, Jill, we are super excited to have you on the show to help solve all of our gardening problems. You can fix all of them, right? I don't know about that, but I'm so happy <laughs> to be here with you guys. All right. Good deal. Well, so, like, I, I have been going through uh, a lot of your content. And, and based off the things that I, I see that you put out, I can imagine like one of the number one questions that you, you get right off the bat is like, what am I doing wrong? Um, and, and, and knowing a little bit about your backstory, you, I mean, like, it seems like you have spent a lot of time figuring a lot of this stuff out, right? Yeah, I didn't have any experience in the garden before I started my first garden, and so it was all very, very new to me. Well, and so, so tell us a little bit about because like you have an interesting sort of origin story. I mean, because you, like you said, you weren't always into gardening. What what were you doing before that? I was the business development manager at a local Ford deal- dealership for about ten years, and during that time, I had both of my kids. And I just felt like I was being led to quit my job and stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. And with that, with losing half of our income or a good portion of our income, 
I wanted to do what I could to save money because if I wasn't producing money, then I want to be able to save money. And so with that, I got into couponing back then. The extreme couponing was a big deal. But I also decided that, hey, I could save grocery money growing my own food. So let's start a garden. We live on three acres. We have the property. My husband actually had built two raised beds the year before, the couple of years before. And it was cool. And that was kind of his thing. But at least we had a little bit to go off of. And I knew that I was going to be quitting probably before the spring of 2013. I had an entire fall and winter to research and to study and prepare. And um, that's really the catalyst behind the whole thing. It initially was to grow my own food to feed our family. And then it morphed into so much more. It became a lifestyle and now it's become my second career and it's something I never saw coming. That's awesome. So what I'm curious, what were, what were if you can remember, what were some of your first uh, plants? Well, of course, tomatoes. Uh-huh. Um, everyone grows tomatoes, I think. Peppers, potatoes, squash, beans, melons. I didn't start small. I was gonna say, that's, <laughs> I, I that sounds big. ambitious for I, I your first foray. I do what foray. I tell people not to do. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were literally all in. Whatever you said, you were gonna grow your grocery list. You weren't kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I looked at what we ate and I thought, let's see. Of all of this, what can I grow in my climate? And pretty much it. Well, I'll. I'll I mean, so so you're you're uh, in Arkansas. And uh, the climate there is uh, it's hot and it's humid um, or it's cold and it's not humid. Really? I mean, there's there's one of the things. So I lived in Arkansas for a while and I love that there are actually seasons. That's something that we completely miss down here in Houston, having actual seasons. That's a whole that's that's like a novel idea. Right. And so. I'm curious, what did you learn just from the climate and how that changes what you can grow and what you can't grow? Oh, my goodness, yes. And it is nice to have seasons, but as you know, um, the spring and fall seasons are very short when it comes to growing. And I learned you know, very quickly that there are, there are crops that grow better in the spring, and now I've learned in the, in the winter and in the fall, And there's some that uh, obviously grow well in the summer. But the thing that I didn't know when I started gardening was that there are a lot of crops that don't grow well in the summer, especially in Arkansas. And and you just you can't grow them in you can't grow them in the summer in Arkansas. So that was a big learning curve for me. So where did you learn some of that information? You know, I I studied a lot. Um, That's one thing that I've always been good at, I guess, is research. And like I said, I I started researching all of this in the fall and the winter ahead of spring planting. So I had a lot of time to do that. Um, so I so I did read a lot of books, and then obviously I, I learned like when's the right time to plant this or that. But I don't think I truly understood the role of cold and heat on my crops until I started actually growing them, which is, is pretty much what every gardener has to do. I think there's just so far that book knowledge will take you until you're able to get that experience and, and learn it for yourself and see it with your own eyes. All right. So somewhere along the line, I feel like you had some real big failures. So what, what, I mean, 
what just wouldn't grow? I mean, you said some things wouldn't grow. What what are some things in your climate there in central Arkansas that just wouldn't grow? You know, I don't I did try celery one year and it didn't do well. I tried it in the fall when you're supposed to. Um but it didn't do well. But since then, last year I I tried it again after, you know, 8 years or whatever and it did grow well. So I learned I learned how to grow that. Um I learned that broccoli at least in my area is really hard to grow in the spring because we get hot so fast and broccoli will start to send up flowers instead of that head and so once it does that you just lose your crop entirely so i would say probably the spring broccoli was one of the biggest failures as far as growing but i think my first failure was um where i put my garden in the first place so mm. that very first fall, I decided where I was going to grow my garden. And as, as you know, the fall is usually the dry period here. And so I had it all covered with newspapers and chip and all ready for the spring. And then the spring comes and that is the lowest area in my yard and it is flooded. Like there is no way I can grow in that garden. And so that was, that was the biggest mistake. And that was that first year is realizing I've done all this work and nothing's going to grow here. Mm. So, did, I mean, do most vegetables, and, and this may be too blanket of a question, but do most vegetables tend to grow in super sunny areas or shaded areas? Because I, I know living where you live and really where we live as well, there's just a lot of trees. So how do you, how do you kind of navigate that whole thing? Definitely most of your fruiting vegetables and your vegetables that produce um, roots like your potatoes and carrots and onions, they really do like sun. Um, the ones that are fruiting like tomatoes and peppers, those definitely want more sun for sure. And, you know, I have some pine trees that surround my garden, and so I do get dappled shade. And I don't think I realized that until more recently. So I think if I didn't have those, I think my garden would probably grow even better. But having that dappled shade still is is manageable to some degree. I mean, they get eight hours of sun, I'm sure, a day at least anyway. But as you know, in a hot climate in the middle of the summer, sometimes that shade is, is a good thing. Mm. Yeah, because I, I guess otherwise it would maybe potentially scorch it. Is that, you know, kind of what happens? Yes, especially with tomatoes. Um, they'll get if they're in the sun and they just basically get sunburned, it's called sun scald and it'll look like a blister and uh, peppers are the same way. So even though the plants require sunlight to grow that hot sun that we get here in the South and that a lot of people get on really hot days can, can really hurt those crops. And then it also causes more evaporation, which makes it where your water, your plants need more water. And so in a hot climate, sometimes that shade can be helpful for those reasons. Yeah, so I, I guess that that leads me directly into another question here, and that and that has to do with the soil. So, are you are, are you bringing in your own your your soil most of the time, or is there a way to cultivate that? I mean, are certain places going to have the right type of soil just naturally? What what's your experience there? Well, I have grown in both my in ground garden, which is my native soil, and raised beds from the very beginning, but. Most of my crops that first year were in my in-ground garden. I did a soil test, so I got off to Operative Extension Service in Arkansas. That test is free. Um, I don't think in I think in most states there's a there's a small fee. So I knew that I I needed to do a 
some mending of that ground soil, but it was a lot of clay and there wasn't a whole lot of aeration to it. And so over the years, I've been able to amend it with um, a lot of it is just adding mulch on it year after year. I stopped tilling a few years ago, and that has definitely helped. Um, it's kind of surprising. It doesn't. It sounds the opposite, but stopping my tilling has helped the aeration of that soil. But to answer your original question for my raised beds, I have started buying compost in bulk from a local landscaping company, and that stuff is gold. I mean, my crops that grow in that combination of the compost and some other native soil or topsoil that I have, that grows so much better than what I have in my ground even now. So I get my best harvest from my raised beds for that reason. So Jill, on the um, on, on the compost there, you say you get it from a local landscaper. Like, mm-hmm. why why would you go get it from from them? And I'm not trying to like, pardon the pun, dump on these big box stores, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, why why is it better from your your local landscaper than it would be from like a, a big box store? I have used compost from, like the bagged compost from big box stores, and I've just not seen the results in my garden like I've seen from the compost that I buy from my landscaping company. And I can't tell you why. I can't tell you every compost from every landscape company is going to be as awesome as mine is, (laughs) but I can just tell you in my experience, um, the compost that comes in a bag that the, the cheaper stuff, because I was on a budget at the very beginning, mm. I was trying to do everything as cheap as I could. And so I, I'd say if you buy compost in bags from, and I would still recommend a nursery, even if it is in bags, I think that that is a higher quality, but I would recommend to pay the money for the, the better soil because I've, I've used the cheap stuff and I'm just, I'm just telling you, it doesn't, doesn't get you very far. And is it just because there's there's not as many nutrients in it? I mean, like, I, there, there's got to be something going on there that's like, like either it's been sitting, it's stale, or like it's bad soil. You're gonna have to add more, you know, Miracle Grow to it or something or whatever. Like, like I'm not saying that you promote using Miracle Grow, but like, you know, like <laughs> it's it you know it, it's just not gonna give you the oomph that you need to get those plants up and going. Well, that's a good point. Um, I'm an organic gardener, so the brand that you just mentioned is one I don't use, right. but if someone used that, that raised bed soil or that soil, they probably would have a decent experience. I just choose to use organic, but as far as why the bagged soil didn't work as well for me, I honestly don't know for sure. I did do a, a raised bed soil test one, one year and I used all bagged soil mm-hmm. and that bed performed so poorly that first year, I did a soil test, found out that the pH was very high, like an imbalance of certain nutrients. Mm. However, after that first year, after I continued to add compost, it balanced out. So it ended up being fine. Um, and so I, I don't I don't think there's a one size fits all on on whether bag soil is bad or not or right. what was the reason why that one wasn't good or not. Some of them, I think, have a lot more bark in them. Um, and sometimes that can tie up nitrogen if it hasn't been composted. I know that's more of a technical thing, but sometimes that's that could be the reason why that first year it doesn't grow as well. Right. And then eventually it settles out and it's OK. But it's just it's really hard because you can't tell with those bag soils whether it's going to be great quality or not and what I until you plant it right I mean until you use it until you plant it or ask for recommendations if someone else Mm. has used 
a bag soil that worked well, find out what that brand was and, and, and try that rather than just picking up the cheapest thing you can find at your big box store. Yeah. And, and well, and you just mentioned something a, a little bit back that I think is worth bringing back up again, because you mentioned the pH level of the soil. And I, I think that's yeah. something that a lot of us hear, but don't actually know what it is, including this guy. <laughs> um, so could, could you, could you educate us? Because it's something I hear a lot when I, when I talk to, to gardeners, master gardeners and different things like that. And I, I have no idea. I'm, I just don't know what that means. I've heard people talk about it with their pool too. So, I mean, I'm, <laughs> Those are the same thing. That's <laughs> <Yes>, right. <laughs> well, I, I will give you a caveat. I didn't even take chemistry in high school, and I was a psychology major. So you're you're speaking to a girl who doesn't have a clue about chemistry. But here is what a farmer actually described to me before my first garden. He was explaining what, what pH was. And he said, think of the pH of your soil as a straw. And... If you have too low of pH, if it's too low, like under, you know, under six, just depending on what you're growing or too high, like above seven, that's like squeezing that straw where the the plants can't access the nutrients. That's what the farmer told me. And so if you get it in that perfect range where depending on what you're growing, like I said, you know, blueberries love really acidic soil. But for the most part, most vegetables will grow well in about a six to a seven then you're basically you've got that straw as the at the widest it can be and your plants can uptake those nutrients but outside that range those nutrients are going to be restricted that's that's how it was explained to me <laughs> but like i said so, i'm not a soil so science do you need, expert do you need a regular straw or a bendy straw to figure out the ph <laughs> Well, it can't, it, I'm it, not, can't, it can't be plastic. It can't be plastic. Oh, those, it's got to be, it's gotta right be like, a, like a stainless steel straw. Absolutely, yeah. Some of those are have a bend in them and some of them don't. So I'm, I'm just trying to wonder which, um, which, which one of those do I have to have in order to test the pH. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I really have no idea how you test pH. So how do you test that? Okay. What, what she, I, well, I think what she alluded to is you send it to the, uh, the Ag Extension Center in your state. Oh, okay. So you can just yeah. Well, I know I know around here we can just send it off to College Station, right? And they, they'll they'll test it for you there, right? Yeah. So those Aggies, man, they can test some soil. We will do it upright. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that, that's the way that a lot of people get started. Um, the only thing about those is most extension services don't give organic recommendations. So that was kind of a, a touchy thing for me as an organic gardener. And now you have soil companies. Um, one that I've used in the past is called Soil Kit, and they will it's it they mail you a kit to your home. You they give you instructions, you mail it back, they email you results, and then they email you what organic recommendations um, they recommend for your garden. And so there are lots of different labs across the country who do that. So you have those options. Now I have tested those home kits that you can get from you know Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever. Um, I compared that to my local extension office, and there were some variances. So if you really want to get dialed in on the accurate soil test, I would recommend to go to a lab. So some disparities between the big box store and the ag. Got it. Got it. A, a little. Shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. I, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It's shocking. <laughs> but um, okay, so so I'm just kind of sitting here thinking. Okay, you you've given us some really good information so far. But uh, here I am, you know, just regular old Kevin over here thinking, hmm, I want to grow some vegetables. Where do I start? What do I do? How do I get going after I go buy your book? 
<laughs> well, you know, you can start at different places. I mean, obviously you, you need to have a place to grow. So do you have that sunny spot? Are you gonna are you going to grow in raised beds? Are you going to grow in containers or a ground bed? Do you have the spot to grow in? And then as far as choosing what you're going to grow, you just need to look at what you normally eat. So um, last year I grew eggplant. I had never eaten eggplant in my life. So wow. that was an experiment because that was fun. Yeah. But we still don't eat a lot of eggplant. So that's probably not where I would have started as a beginner, right? I want yeah. to start with the, the, the vegetables that I already eat as our family. So, And then you have to figure out, okay, what do I eat if we eat bananas every morning? But I don't know if you guys can grow bananas. You probably can. But here in Arkansas, we I mean, at least where I am, we can't grow bananas. So that's off the table. So you need to figure out what you normally grow that will grow well in your climate. And then from there, then you learn whether that grows better in the hot, you know, in the summer or in a cooler in the cooler parts of the season. Okay, so I, I know around here, one of the things like, for instance, Craig mentioned uh, Master Gardener. If you want to become a Master Gardener, uh, you can go to down to the local ag extension office and uh, sign up and, and go through the training, go through all those sorts of things. But even more than that, surely around here there are some like support groups and probably Facebook groups and things sort things like that. Have you found that there's a community of people like I know for Craig, um, he uh, he takes care of bees and so there's there's local communities of people that that do that and help him and uh, they help each other those sorts of things. Have you found that there are communities for vegetable growers that can, you know, really walk you through the process if you need any help? Oh, absolutely. I think Facebook groups are probably the the best as far as asking questions. I'm a part of a Facebook group, Arkansas Gardening, and so all of that is is based on your climate. It's very helpful. Um, there's also Facebook groups for different garden um, garden teachers. You know, I have one. Um, there's lots of other ones that people host and moderate, and you can get lots of different suggestions and ideas from people who have gardened before. And then also just Instagram. I mean, my whole Instagram is is gardeners, and you learn so much with that community. Facebook groups and Instagram. Now, all that's online, of course, um, but. I didn't have access or they weren't there when I first started gardening, but now today's gardeners have so much availability for support in that, in that area. Man, that's, that's so helpful. I, I think that's one of the things that, um, I mean, going back to what, what you said about kind of getting started, I think I would start there. Honestly, I think I'd try to find a, a community because inevitably you're going to get, you know, moments down the road and have a question or run into a roadblock and just having someone to ju just kind of reach out to and say, Hey, here, uh, I've got this issue. What, what can you do to help me? I think that would be really, really huge. So, um, next question I've got is, do you, I mean, you, you mentioned some things that you, uh, that you grew to begin with cause y'all eat those things, but do you find that, um, there are certain things that you enjoy growing more than others, maybe because they're, I don't know, easier or more challenging or just the the process is, is more fun for you? Is there certain things that you enjoy more than others? Oh, that's that's hard. That's like asking me what's my favorite thing to grow. And and I and I people when people ask me that I say watermelon because that's my favorite fruit, but I'm not sure if that's my favorite thing to grow. Oh, okay. It's hard <laughs> being enjoyable. Um this may sound weird, but I love growing garlic. Mm. You plant garlic in the fall, super easy. 
pretty hands off as long as you keep eating or not. you harvest it in the summer. I mean, it really requires nothing. <laughs> and I think I like it too because it really starts to be beautiful in February and March when not a whole lot else is growing, at least in my climate. So you have a bare garden ground and your and your garlic is standing out. So I I love growing garlic. Um, down here, you know, I love growing okra. That that's one of the few plants that survive in our in our heat and probably would survive in yours. So that's enjoyable because everything else has gotten you know, isn't, isn't handling the heat very well. So I would say okra is very, very enjoyable to grow as well. Um, I, I, love, I love growing okra. I love my blueberry yeah. bushes. Blueberries are amazing. They're, they're amazing to grow. And then asparagus, they take a while to get going, but once they get going, they're so delicious. So I could go on, but those were probably the ones that come to my mind first. Well, so I, I got to ask you, cause I, I, I actually grow blueberries. Uh, are, are you, yeah. are you growing these in containers or you have them in the ground? They're in the ground. They're in the ground. Okay. Like I, I have only had success with containers, um, and and part of that is because you can control the acidity in the soil a little bit better, um, and introduce it. And I don't, I don't know why it just works better, but I like like this year I've got like a bumper crop of, of blueberries coming in. I'm I'm super excited about it. Um, it might also be that I moved them really close to the beehives. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to mention that in, in, just a moment ago. I was going, okay. So, like, the perfect scenario is for you to find a sunny spot with just the right, you know, soil, yeah. you know, you know, mixture and all that kind of stuff, whether it's a raised bed or in the ground, because you got the bees right there. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that's going to be really helpful, right? Uh, well, as a, as a side note on that, and I know we talked about this last week when I got I got nailed in the back of the head, but yeah, I'm still laughing about that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, my neck my neck swelling has gone down. Yeah, I, I also well, I, I was hoping it did. I wore the high collar shirt in case yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, it's a redneck. Okay, I, I see ya. Yeah, so but I've already been fussed at about about where I put the bees. I'm gonna have to. You gotta move, move them again. I gotta have to move them. I mean, they're right there. That's why. Right? I know. That's they're not right. behind the fence. They're in front of the in fence. In front of the fence. Yeah. 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 Which was convenient for me, but for no one else. Right. <laughs> 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 well, just move them back where you're gonna put the garden, and then that way they're at least close. That's work, Kevin. Huh? Yeah, but we're going to... Well, and I'll tell you something about that. We have honeybees as well, and when we got them, I thought they would do amazing pollinating my garden, and mm. they're nowhere to be found. They're like MIA. <laughs> the only time I see them, very, very, very rarely, sometimes I'll see them on my blueberries along with our native bees. But mm-hmm. if you think honeybees are going to pollinate your garden, they, it didn't, they didn't for me. <laughs> well, how, how many hives do you have? Well, you know, that's up for debate. Right now, <laughs> we know we have one. Uh-huh. We had two, okay. but it's swarmed. But uh, there's a lot of activity on it, so we're not sure if it's split. We, um, haven't, we haven't looked yet. So we, we may have two. How long have you been keeping bees? My husband has been keeping them. This is our third year. Okay. I, I, I might yeah. I, I might be able to help you out with this here. They probably didn't okay. they probably didn't split. What you probably have going on is that other one swarmed, and that's because bees can be punks um, and do that. Um, yeah. And and so they they probably definitely left. The other one is probably just pilfering what they left behind, and that's what the you're other seeing. Hive? The other hive, yeah. And they're they're going wow. in and they're pulling out all the leftover pollen and uh, any other you know, goodies that they can see that the other hive left behind when they swarmed. 
Oh, um, they're they're just gonna take that to their own hive. Yes. And and just leave you high and dry. Yeah, and I'm 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 sell- telling you this from experience. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Craig, Craig will call me every once in a while. That- Sorry, Craig will call me every once in a while and be like, "They left again." Yeah. <laughs> you know? no, if, if there is a way to lose bees, I've done it. So. <laughs> but well, we saw a swarm. They up to the pine tree right above and. Like, hey, it was too high for us to be able to capture. Yep. It was sad. Yep. I, I, I tell you, one time uh, a hive swarmed on me, and it was just it was just beyond the reach of my extension ladder. And it was like the third one that had swarmed on me like that year and left the hive. So out of frustration, I just took a chainsaw to the tree. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't really care about the bees at that point. I was like, I know I shouldn't have done it. I was mad. I acted out of anger. I repented. It still felt good. <laughs> still felt good. Oh, man, that's funny. All right, so I do do have another question. Um, so you mentioned one of the – probably the, the reason that you began growing uh, vegetables was because you wanted to save money, right? Um, but you kept doing it, and you took it – further than you ever thought you would. Um, why is that? And specifically, I'm curious about if there's a certain um, satisfaction that you got from it, especially, you know, just, just personally thinking, you know, hey, I grew this. It, maybe it tastes better because it is organic and it's not, you know, it's not straight from the, you know, the grocery store or anything. I'm just curious, what what kept it going for you? Oh my goodness, so many things. I would say in the early years, because my children were little, a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and I was coming out of working a full-time job from the time I graduated college. So I'd always been doing something. So staying at home with kids was a, a culture shock. And the garden was something that I could pour myself into. It was my thing. And so early on, it was the satisfaction that I received was being able to put put your effort in something that you could see the results of and not have to wait 18 years, right? Mm, <laughs> and so yeah. that was the beginning of why it was so special to me to begin with. But then as I started gardening more and more, it became that satisfaction that you talked about of, I grew this. This is something that I was able to to cultivate and to nourish. And, and since I grow pretty much everything from seed now, I planted these seeds months ago and, and look what I've got and not, and, and, and this is not nothing to, 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 um, to belittle at all. This is absolutely part of it is that most of the vegetables that we grow just do taste better. I mean, mm. they taste so much better when you pick them right now is asparagus season and you wouldn't think asparagus would taste any different than what you get at the store, but I'm telling you it does. Now, not all of them are that way. I mean, lettuce is lettuce to me, but I still love going outside and not having to buy lettuce at the grocery store. Well, I'll tell so, you this, yeah, asparagus now, from Walmart tastes different than asparagus from H-E-B or Kroger. I'll tell you that right now. So I do know that it tastes different. So I can imagine that it would be much better if you were getting it right out of the garden. Yes, absolutely. So And, and it doesn't ever... 
it doesn't ever stop. My, my husband and my kids make fun of me because every time we have a meal and there's something on the plate that I grew and it's my turn to say the blessing before the meal, I'm always thanking God for this that came out of the garden. And there now they just all snicker because it's, it's constant because I'll na- sometimes I'll name the, the onions and the garlic and the tomatoes and I'll just go and they're like, okay, mom, you know, but, but I'm serious. I'm very grateful because it, there is a satisfaction of growing your own food like none other. Well, yeah. and, and it, it has to be, I mean, the way you're doing this, it has to be a significant savings because, I mean, we, we spend a lot of money on, on fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, my, my, my kids, man, they, we, we don't give them a lot of sweets, a lot of candy and those sorts of things. So like they can eat fruit just like nobody's business. And we spend a ton of money on that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I would assume that there's a, just a really significant savings in doing it. And uh, yeah, it's time consuming, but between the savings, the satisfaction, um, you know, knowing that you're, you know, you're producing for your family. Um, that's really, really huge. It is. And it does, it does save money. I mean, in the summertime, especially, or even in the winter when I'm going through my canned goods, just to see that the little section on my grocery list with produce the only thing that I have on it usually is avocados and bananas, things that I can't mm. that I can't grow. I mean, mm. sometimes I may run out of onions by by this time of year, but I'm still that's my goal is to have enough onions to last all year. So it's always a continual goal to have as much as I can to last all year. But it is a significant savings. Yeah. So my uh, I, I grew up uh, well, I was I was born in, in Central Texas and. Um, my my dad was the only one working. My mom was staying home with the kids, and uh, we lived in this little bitty house. We, there was three of us, and we lived in a two bedroom house. Um, so five of us total in the house. And my mom, we we just didn't have very much money, and so my dad would go kill his uh, his limit of deer every year, and so we we put up the venison every single year, and that's how we that's the meat that we ate. And then they they had this massive garden. Uh, in the in the backyard, and to my knowledge, they grew everything they possibly could. And we had four different. Uh, let's see, we had four. We had we had two apple trees, a pear tree, and I think we had an orange tree. Um, and so we had all of these these fruit trees as well. And uh, that that's how we that's how we ate. And my mom, she canned all year round. She made jelly all year round. Uh, she she made pickles all year round like all she was constantly canning and doing those sorts of things so I guess one of the questions that I've got for you is do you um, did you have to then learn how to can in order to to keep these things or do you can or or how do you preserve all of these things for the entire year yes I had to learn how to can and just like gardening I taught myself um, I bought the blue book of canning, or maybe my mom did at a flea market. That was the first thing that I read it from cover to cover. So I learned how to can that way. And then eventually I started, and I think I did some freezing that first year because freezing isn't that hard. Um, and then last year I really got more into dehydrating vegetables. Mm. I've, I've always dehydrated herbs because that's a huge savings if you can put herbs. And then last year I started doing a little bit of fermenting, um, very limited amount, but uh, mostly canning. Canning is really my preference. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a great way to keep things, and you know, you do it right, and you can just put it on the 
on the shelf, right? It doesn't have to take mm-hmm. up freezer space or what, what I'm saying there is you can, it doesn't take up energy. <laughs> it just takes up space, right? You don't have to, you don't have to cool right. it or anything like that. So, um, yeah. And, and, and again, whenever you pull those things out from being canned, they're so much better than anything you're going to get in the grocery store. It's just still so much better. I, I wish that, uh, that we still did that. Um, I don't know. It's just a great, great feeling for sure. So, Craig, what else you got? Uh, yeah, I, I was I was actually going through your website while you were talking because I was curious if you had a, uh, a canning or a pickling course. Because if you could somehow teach me how to pickle okra, I would be your best friend forever. Mm, best friend forever. <laughs> oh, yes. I actually have a course called Harvest a Kitchen, and it's not a necessarily how to can course, but it basically takes – a lot of the different vegetables that I grow and it shows you set by set how I do certain things. Now I don't have okra in it yet. I need to do that because we do, I do pickle okra and it's really pretty easy. My husband loves it. Oh, it's the um, most delicious but, thing on yeah. the planet. I love that stuff. I agree. Um, and I'm yeah, with you on the really okra easy. as well. Yeah. It's super easy to grow. I mean like that thing just lasts all year long. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, uh, I pretty much love anything pickled. I've, I've pretty much figured that out. Eggs? I, I, you like pickled eggs? Yes. Really? Yeah, I like I like I've had um, pickled green tomatoes. I've I like had, that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of things pickled, and I I love them. Right, maybe I'm just weird. Them. Jill, way in here. Pickled eggs? You you digging that? You know, I had planned to try to do that this year because we have way too many chickens right now. Uh-huh. But I just haven't I haven't gotten to it. So I haven't ever had them before. You haven't had them before. Okay. What like, if, we what need, if, we what? need to know. We need to be like, we need to. <laughs> so I'm curious. Do you like them? I, no. Okay. Yeah. But, but like, I'm, there, there are certain kind of eggs that I just, I can't do. I, so I'll eat an, I'll eat a raw egg before I will eat a hard boiled egg. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know what it is about that consistency that mm-hmm. you get from like either the pickling or the, the hard boiled it's, it's not for me. Okay. Well, so. I, I mean, so do you like um, deviled eggs? No. Ugh. That's just another boiled egg. Well, exactly, but it's so <laughs> much better than... It's a boiled egg trying to trick me. Uh, it, yeah, man, it does a great job if that's what <laughs> it is. Just like the devil. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yes, there's tricking going on. All but- right, so Jill, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't ask you this question because <laughs> my mom inevitably is going to listen to this episode. <laughs> She keeps chickens, right? And okay. do you name your chickens? My daughter does, but uh-huh. I don't have a clue what they're named. You know, okay. So my mom names them Star Wars names. Yeah. It's 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 pretty epic, to be honest. They're not all Star Wars names. Well, not anymore because she ran out of the puns. But yeah, you ready? For, are, do, do you know Star Wars at all? Not really. Not really? But like if I said like Not Han really. Solo, you'd know like that's a character in there? Yes. Okay, so like yes. it's Hen Solo. <laughs> oh. Princess Leia. <laughs> Come on. Leia. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Jabba the Cluck. Oh, I, I can keep going. I said I said I wasn't going to use the laugh track, but I really feel like I need to use the laugh track on some of these. So, but, but she so she ran out of Star Wars puns, and so now they're old country western singers. So she's got like Dolly Parton and Patsy Cline, and yeah, she has way too many chickens. Yeah, we did, we actually just I, had. Well, like I say that 
she has just enough chickens to give me eggs consistently. So please continue to have the chickens. That's funny. We we have a <laughs> we have a comment here on Facebook from Tiffany that says they have a princess layer. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's very right. very similar. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, well, you gotta get you have you have to have fun with this kind of stuff, right? That's right. I mean, if you can't have fun doing you know that kind of stuff, then what are you doing? I applaud your daughter for naming the chickens. Yeah, I think I think that that there you go. That's a good Instagram post for you right there. There you go. This is chicken. I don't know. Whatever the name is. <laughs> That's right. Well, okay. So um, I, I I do have another question, and that is, what what got you to the point where you're like, look, I'm I'm so smart that I need to write a book. Like, what got you to that point? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Well, that wasn't actually my idea. Um, I have written books. I've self-published two Bible studies and a a couple of devotional books. But as far as the gardening book, um, a publisher came to me, and they they had recognized that there was a need for a very, very basic beginning gardener's book is what they told me. And they proposed that I write it. So that's how my book came about. And it was very enjoyable to write for sure. But it definitely was, was not something that I sought after, but it was something that, that they came to me. And, and that's just how that happened. It, it's an awesome book, by the way. I mean, I've, I've been reading through it. Uh, like, so like if you, and, and let me tell you guys, like I, I just went searching and I think it came up as like the number two gardening book on Amazon. Wow. So, I mean, like kudos to you. I mean, like, wow. yeah, I mean like, no, they, 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 no, they, idea. no, it's awesome. And so like the, the illustrations in it are beautiful. Um, but I also no, love I didn't do those. Well, well, that's, that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's still your book. I mean, come on, take credit, Joel. Yeah. Um, you commissioned it. That's right. Um, what what I really like about it is that it actually has like it it has simple step by step stuff in it. So like if you want to know how to build a, a raised garden bed, like you have instructions in here on how to do that. Like you have you literally have like recipes for good kinds of soil. And I I think that like I think I think your publisher was onto something. One because it's obviously doing well on Amazon. Um, but two like like this is stuff that I think people who are are so intimidated by gardening feel like they don't have any idea what to do other than to just go buy a kit at, you know, Home Depot. And so like, you're like, look here, like, here's, here's a, here's what my journal looked like, which by the way, keeping a journal about gardening. I mean, I can't do that. Um, and (laughs) so, and, and just like, here's the seasonal stuff that works for this, for this climate and this time of year. And here's how you can diversify your plant bed. And here's, here's my recipe for this soil. And here's, and, and like, it's, it's, it's broken up in such a way that it's not overwhelming. Hmm. Um, That's great. Well, thank you. And and that was the goal because as a beginning gardener, having no background whatsoever, I found that a lot of the gardening advice, now this was back in 2013. So there's resources have come a long way. There's a lot more for gardeners now, but I found like, I found that a lot of the resources that I found back then were almost like on a sophomore level or a junior level. And, and I needed a freshman level. I was Googling what does a potato sprout look like because I wasn't sure if what green I was seeing was a weed. I mm. mean, that's how that's how clueless I was. And so my whole goal with everything I do is to speak to that person that was like me when I first started who didn't have any idea what she was doing. And so that really was kind of the, the goal behind the book to, to address that person that you're, you're talking about. Yeah. So when are you going to uh, write the sophomore book? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> are, are you planning on writing another one? 
Um, it has been proposed to me, but at this point, it's just so I'm so busy in my garden season and I do develop online courses now. And so the timing hasn't been perfect yet, but maybe, maybe someday. Well, and let me ask you this, because I, I think this is something that uh, I think people like us kind of struggle with is like you, you've got the podcast now, you're doing your online courses and, and you're, you're probably I don't know if you're managing all your your social media and your books and people are coming to you asking you to write another one. I mean, does it does it feel like you don't actually have time for the thing that started all of this? Like it, it's difficult to get out in the garden now? You know, I that's a really good question. It's not difficult for me to get in the garden because I I can't not be in the garden. Mm. Like that's I've got to do that. But it is difficult sometimes for me to separate what I'm doing now from the hobby that once was because when I'm out in my garden and I'm doing what is, is my personal hobby, um, it's, it does bleed into my teaching of how to garden. And so sometimes those lines become blurry and I have to back off and just be like, I'm not going to do anything right now except pull some weeds. I'm mm. not going to worry about Instagramming it right now. I'm not going <laughs> to worry about about listening to a gardening podcast because I'm always learning still. I'm listening to other people who know way more than me, but sometimes I have to shut it all off so that I can get back to, you know, my, my, the whole reason I, I started doing it in the first place. Yeah. I mean like that, you know, cause like, I think one of the pieces of advice they give so many of us is like, if you, if you do the thing that you'll love, you'll never work another day in your life. And it's like, well, sometimes the thing that you love can like take over and like, then it, then it, then it does begin to feel like work sometimes. And so it's good that you've, kind of figured out a way to find a balance and all that. Well, I don't know if I figured it out, but I recognize the need for it. And so I'm, I'm constantly seeking that balance. That's sure. awesome. Yeah. So uh, along those lines though, I mean, you're, so you're, you're working from home. I mean, right. And so you, you stayed mm-hmm. home with your kids and all of those sorts of things. So at, at the moment when they go off to school, you have time to, to do the things that you do, whether that's your podcast or, um, you know, working in the garden, doing research, whatever it is that you are choosing to do, uh, which don't don't hear me say that that's not nothing, because I know that that's very, very time consuming. But my question is, what about those of us who may decide I want to I want to do a garden, but I don't. I don't have all of that time because I do have a regular nine to five um, and I and I come home and I've got to get dinner on the table and then I got to do get, make sure my kids are doing their homework and then they got to go to bed. And then I'm you know, it's two. I, I can't go outside whenever it's nine, ten o'clock at night and do the gardening. So what would you tell someone like that who's really trying to to do something like this? They see the value, but they just don't really know how to fit it into their schedule. That's a great question, and I've thought about it a lot. Um, I think that the key is to start small. I didn't start small. I didn't have to start small, like you said, because I was home with my kids. I didn't have to go to a 9 to 5, which was more like a 745 to 6. I didn't have a full-time job. Um, but here's, here is my goal when I talk to someone who's a first-time gardener, and I'm whether they're in one of my courses or they're listening to the podcast or whatever, my goal is that they – build a small enough garden and have enough success and enjoyment, which I've learned is a, is a critical part is for you to enjoy your garden so that by the time the next season rolls around, they're telling me how they're expanding. Because Mm. I think if we start too big, then we burn out 
And I think that's more likely going to happen if you literally do not have the time in the day to do it. But if you start small, just with one four by eight raised bed, and you're able to do a little bit here and there, and as the evenings are, you know, more daylight, you can have time to tend to a small garden or a small set of containers, just whatever you think is doable for you. Because here's the thing, too, is that you know and I know that we make time for what's important to us. Oh, yeah. We make time for Netflix or we make time for our TV shows. We make time to scroll Facebook and Instagram. We probably waste a lot of time. But what if we what if we realize that growing that garden or, or even just starting was worth the time? And I think that what we'll find is that we will enjoy it so much that we will want to expand and do more. And it's not a burden as much as it is an opportunity. So yeah, I, I think you I think you hit a nail on the head there. It's like when when you choose the things that are actually better for you, right? I mean, because like like if I if I'm choosing to like binge on Netflix, like then my my excuses are gone because I've just I, that's that's I mean like let's let's all be honest, it's a waste of time. Yeah, like it's enjoyable, but it's a waste of time. Sure. And and like when we all like and and at the end of the day, you don't want to look back and go well, like. I could have accomplished all these kind of things. I could have done, you know, spent time with my family. I could have been studying. I could have been, you know, playing in the garden. I could have been, you know, throwing the frisbee for the dog or whatever. And all those things would have been better than sitting in the couch and eating a bag of potato chips. Mm, um, sounds yummy. It does sound yummy. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure Jill can actually grow the potatoes and. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but and I'm sure those potato chips would even taste probably, even better. Probably better. Um, but at the at the end of the day, like we we make choices as to how we spend our time. Yeah, and and I think the other thing that um you know Jill we Craig and I are big are big um proponents of family, and I'm curious did you did you find that your kids were involved in the process as well? Because I think one of the things that I I get hung up on sometimes is like, do I want to do that? Or do I want to spend time with my kids? And I think one of the things um, that our, our friend Celestina really uh, honed in on a, a few episodes ago with when it comes to uh, you know cooking, uh, things like that, that getting your kids involved in the process, you're teaching them a valuable skill and mm-hmm. you're spending quality time with them. So um, I'm just curious, did, did you find that that was uh, something that your kids wanted to do and was that part of the culture? I would say it was more so with my daughter and more so when she was younger. Okay. She's 10 now. My, my son's 14. And so, yeah, she was out there with me a lot when she was younger. She loved a little earthworm. She wanted to take them inside as pets. You know, they loved harvesting the carrots, the blueberries, the strawberries. You know, she and I have to race to, to get the strawberries because we're trying to get them quick before the other one does. Yeah. Um, as they've gotten older, it, I think it's less of a of a of a novelty. And so I don't force them out there with me, but I do believe that just them being outside when, when they're outside, even if they're not right beside me, they're part of part of it. And I think that they are absorbing more than I realize. If you talk to veteran gardeners, if you read other gardening books, a lot of them don't have the story that I have where I had no experience. My mom, my mom gardened, but I wanted nothing to do with it. And that yet look where I am. Mm -hmm. I had to learn everything all over again 
So she did have an influence on me, even though I was never out there with her. And so going back to people that like other authors or other gardeners, you, you hear them talk about their childhoods. And, and a lot of times it's a matter of being exposed and then they circle back to it later. But I think you're talking too more about just spending time together. And I think it's important for kids also to see that we're pursuing passions. Mm. And so even though that's not all about them, you know, I think that that's still good for them to see that out of our lifestyles, too. 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. I mean, you, you know, it, it, it's those things that they're going to look back on at some point and go, that was important to her. And and those finding those things are, are super important. So very, very cool. What else, Craig? Man. What haven't we talked about yet? I don't know. Let's ask. Well, let, let me let me ask you this, Jill, because and this was I think I mentioned this before when I was talking about your book. One of the things that I struggle with is uh, starting seeds. Um, mm-hmm. And I know this. I, I think you talk about a couple different ways you can do this. Um, and, and so one, I want to know, like, are you cultivating your own seeds now? Or are you going out and, and getting seeds from outside sources? Are you harvesting those out of your own garden at this point? How, how are you managing that? I do both. I do save. I do save seeds. Um, my okra. I have been saving seeds for my okra since my very first season. So I haven't. I have bought. I can't say I haven't bought new okra seeds. I've bought different varieties to try. Mm. But as far as my main crop, my Clemson spineless okra, I've been saving seeds for them. So if I can save a seed, I will for the next crop. But Nowadays, I'm, I'm doing more experimenting with different varieties, partly just because it's fun and partly because I want to get some more knowledge now that I'm, I'm you know, teaching others. And mm. So if I were just a hobby gardener, I probably would, would focus more on the savings, the seed. But when you do save seeds, that's just a whole other level of satisfaction to know that I haven't paid for okra in eight years. You know, that's, <laughs> its, own, that's its own level of accomplishment. Yeah. So. Both, for sure. That's the uh, that's the the super couponer coming out in you, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, are there are there any um, what? And, and this is actually something I was I was curious about earlier because I, I think you mentioned um, oh, man, there was a tree you mentioned that you were growing, or did I hear that wrong? Anyway, yeah, she talked about wishing she could grow banana trees. Wishing she could grow banana. Work out, yeah. So, are there? You know, because a lot of this is, you know, ground vegetables and things like that. Have you have you played around with any tree bearing fruits or like nut trees or anything like that to incorporate into the into the acreage there? I do have three apple trees, two peach trees and a fig tree, but they're all very young. They haven't Mm. produced fruit yet. And here in Arkansas, that can be kind of tricky when it comes to diseases. So I'm I'm just not sure how right. that's going to go. But yeah, I'm, I'm at, that's definitely my goal. I've had grapevines for a while, and diseases have been terrible for those. So I haven't really gotten a good harvest for that yet. But yeah, I'm I'm constantly trying to think what else can I grow. I bought cranberries for the first time. Oh wow. Um, well, I, I brought them bought them last year, but they didn't survive. But so I brought bought more. So yeah, I'm I'm always trying to expand in that area if I can. Yeah. Did did you get hit pretty hard by that by that freeze storm that came through? We did. Um, we got 11 inches of snow, which I think was a blessing, honestly, because that ended up kind of insulating the ground. Mm. And um, we got negative six, which is way Sheesh. way colder than our zone should get. Yes. So but did you we get? Had just a, a, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, our our my blueberry plants, they were the one I was more concerned about because obviously they're six feet tall, so they're not under that snow. Um, mm-hmm. But most of those blossoms survived. There were some that didn't. I'm still waiting for signs of life for my fig tree, but I'm just not sure about that one yet. But the other ones did fine. Everything else did fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the things I'm waiting on our property to see if it comes back. We have these massive uh, Japanese loquats. You ever had one of those? No. Oh, they're so good. Um, you'll have to come visit sometime and have one. Um, yeah, I mean, his, his kids will just go out and just grab them off the tree, right? They will, but like this is, it's like a 15 foot tree now. Oh, and yeah. so like, but don't you have don't you have a smaller one too? That, yeah, there's two, there's a smaller one, but they like to, they like to get in the big one. Okay. Um, if you have like most people don't eat them, Jill, but like because around here they're used as like ornamental plants, but they're delicious. Mm-hmm. It's I, the way I describe it to people, it's like a honey peach, but like there's just not a whole lot of flesh to it, and it's mostly seeds, which is why people don't tend to eat them. But like man, there's my my kids can literally like sit out in the yard for like two or three hours and they'll just sit there and eat them and eat them and eat them. Um, but anyway, that was one of the ones we lost. I think we lost like a, a blood orange tree waiting to see if that one, that one started showing some life, but all the, you know, the upper branches are gone. And that was, that was a brutal storm. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. yeah. I'll thought, tell you what. I thought a lot about you guys. Oh man. It, it, it was, uh, it was brutal. We don't ever want to do that. I had to spend way too much time over at Craig's house. It was not, <laughs> it was not enjoyable for anyone. So, well, listen, uh, I'll tell you what, we, I'm, I'm sure we could go on for a long time and you got a lot of knowledge up there in your head. Um, I'm, I'm super impressed with, with so many things. And one of the things I just love is the fact that you took something that you didn't know how to do and you just took the bull by the horns, figured it out. Didn't, you know, it's not your degree, you know, it's not the thing that you went to school for, but I think it does speak to the fact that, um, you can do anything you want to is, is if you just have the desire to do it and, um, take the initiative so super awesome stuff uh we definitely recommend um going out and and, and purchasing this book if you're interested in uh, learning how to grow vegetables and uh we're, we're going to be um linking all of um all of the information here from jill including the book and her podcast and uh all of the or her social media that um that she has we'll be linking that up so you can follow her and make sure that you can uh you know, get on her radar because she's uh, she's one of those people you want to be be close to whenever it comes to this, which is super awesome. So yeah, and if uh, reading's not your jam, I mean, you can take her online courses. Yeah, absolutely, and we encourage that for sure. So, uh, but here's the deal: um, we we absolutely can't end this episode until we do the thing that everybody is waiting for, when that is. The final four. The final four. That's right. That sounds final. way cooler with my voice like this now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is conceited, Craig. Yep. Uh, we've had two bourbon, Craig. We got conceited, Craig. That's this right. Is conceited, Craig. All right. Tune in to whichever episode you want. To get, <laughs> get your choice of Craig's. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, uh, Jill, here comes the fun part. We are going to ask you the final four questions we ask each and every one of our guests. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. All right. So, if uh, we were to call you up and say we got a project, we didn't tell you what it was. You had to leave your house. What is the must-have tool that you would not leave your house without? Well, I know this is probably not original, but I think the reason is original. Um, I wouldn't leave without my phone, Okay. but that's because 
I listen to podcasts all the time, even in the car is a big time I listen to podcasts. So after I drop my kids off somewhere, that's the first thing I do is I get a podcast on. So I honestly probably use my phone for that more than more, more than other things. So that would be probably why. Nice. All right. So other other than obviously the homeowner show, what what <laughs> what, what podcast you you rocking these days? Well, it depends on the genre, the gardening genre. Um, I love Epic Gardening, Kevin over there, and uh, the Joe Gardner Show, uh, Melissa K. Norris, Pioneering Today. Those are some of the ones that I have on that I'm always listening to. Um, I do like to get out of the gardening sphere and just you know get into the the personal sphere. So I love uh, Christian podcasts, um, Annie F. Downs podcast, um, Jenny Allen's podcast. She's, you know, from down there with you guys in Austin near you, but <laughs> um, I listen to those quite a bit. And then I do really enjoy the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, which is a Christian podcast. And I love that one too. I, really, I love that one. So those would probably be my favorite ones for like personal that I'm always listening to. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. All right. Next question. Here we go. What's a job you walked away from? So uh, you can take this as a career. We do know that you switched some things up there. Uh, but also maybe you have a, a job around your house that um, that you took on or maybe your husband took on, your family took on, and uh, you got into it and just realized I can't finish it, got to call in the professionals. But what's a job you walked away from? Goodness, I can't think of a project that I've walked away from. Um I pretty much finish what I start. Like that's, that's a big thing for me is I don't like to (laughs) not finish things. Um, And then I already talked to you about, you know, walking away from my job, which was a huge decision because I I really did enjoy my job. Um, I, I'm going to go back to my college days because this was something that I found, I have found looking back has been really strange. Back when I was a freshman in college, I was taking the um, required speech course. And after doing a couple of speeches, the professor asked me to join their speech team, debate team. It was something I can't even rem- remember. And I was so flattered that I told him yes. And <laughs> so I started doing that. And then I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I think partly it was because I was dating my now husband and I was more interested in let's seeing how fast I can get him to pop the question. And, <laughs> I was, you know, I had other things on my mind as a freshman in, in college. But looking so I so I quit that. And that was really strange because I had never really quit anything in my life. Um, that I was a big decision. But looking back, I'm like, that was a that was an activity in communications in public speaking. And yet look where I am now, (laughs) you know, so I, that's what I do every day is with, with the podcast. And so I just found that interesting looking back that, that I walked away from that opportunity. Awesome. Very cool. Well, all right. Uh, third question, how do you wind down at the end of a long day? Um, I love crime dramas. Oh, nice. I am an an NCIS, all three of them junkie. And so, um, and I love some bluebell butter crunch ice cream. I can't do that every night. And I love that stuff. It's so good. It's oh one of my goodness, favorites. That is my yes. That is what I do. I will watch NCIS and um, I will eat my bluebell. And then when I go to bed, I'm usually reading a fiction crime drama to go oh, to bed. Nice. It just gets me out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you? Uh, do, do you have any others that you watch besides NCIS? Um. 
I do. I've watched Bull because oh, yeah. the character was in CIS. That's right. how I got on, on that. Um, those are those are the main ones. I, I'm trying to think. I don't think that there's another one that I that I watch. It's mainly those. For a while there, I was watching way too many, and I had to cut back. Yeah, so my my wife uh, my wife loves those as well, and she got me hooked on many of them like way back in the day. Like I, I remember uh, being really into like Cold Case and mm-hmm. Law and Order and some of these other types of things. Man, I I could go on because we watched way too many of those things. So so earlier when we asked you about podcasts, did you not mention that you listened to true crime podcasts just because you didn't want to have to fall into that stereotype? <laughs> I have actually never listened to a true crime podcast. Oh, that good girl. <laughs> That's funny. I don't have time. I have too many podcasts that I listen to. I can't have another one. No, it's good. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that's a cult. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. Much. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. All right. So <laughs> let's keep on keep going here. Last one. What's one of the best pieces of wisdom or advice you've ever received? <sighs> that that one is is very hard. Because I have so many people who have spoken so much wisdom into my life over the years. I think, I think the the piece of advice that I probably that's probably stuck with me the longest is something that I heard from Lisa Turkhurst many years ago, and it was, I can remember it. Don't let people's praise go to your head, and don't let their criticism go to your heart. Mm-hmm. And that was always something because for so long. Um, I it's a little bit personal, but so for so long, I would judge my worth based on what I thought other people thought of me. And so if I performed well enough, if I was good enough, then I was, then I was paid. If I wasn't, and if it didn't like me, then I was not. And so it was definitely, uh, that's me now, thankfully. But I think that, that helped me flip, flip a switch in my head of realizing that, um, that other people's opinions of me is not dictate my worth and my value Mm. and so that's really kind of kept me grounded Mm. yeah that that's that's huge whenever you whenever you can realize whenever you get to the point in your life whenever you realize that your worth is not derived from what other people think of you then you've uh you've hit on a real a real real piece of wisdom right there so that's that's awesome thank you for sharing for sure absolutely cool well um here here's the thing um we, we misled you a little bit okay it's not our fault. Um, what is our fault? It's our fault. Uh, but uh, we, we actually deceived you a little bit. We, we apologize for that. And going back to the deviled egg comment. Um, um. So here's the deal. <laughs> There's actually one more question. It's, it's the fifth question, but Craig gets to actually ask this question. That's right, because it's the one I can remember. That's right. Jill, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? <laughs> like – actually reach me one-on-one or are you like well no they want to they want to they want to they want to find you they want to find your content they want to find you know the, the things that you're producing where, where do they go you know if you're obvious if you're listening if you're a podcast listener the beginner's garden podcast would be where i would where i would start um instagram i love hanging out on instagram gardeners are amazing there and that's at the beginner's garden and then if you're a reader or eat the uh, journey with jill.net and then obviously um facebook also have a, a page there fantastic all right and i know we cool. did i know we didn't get this this wasn't you know like the topic of the show but you said you had some other books and and devotionals can can people search your name on amazon and find those there as well yes yes i have a bible study on the book and on 
half of Exodus. The first one's called Journey Through Acts, and this other one is called Journey to Freedom. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. Those are all names one. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go pick that up. Sounds there you great. Go. Cool. Well, excellent. Thank you so very much. This has been fascinating. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to join us today. And, uh, yeah, if you want to hear any more uh, from Jill and, and, and learn from her, please, please, please go search her out on those those things. But um, we are so very happy that you've tuned into this episode of The Homeowner Show, and we hope you'll do that each and every Tuesday as we put out new content every single week. And if you haven't already, go ahead and go press that like and subscribe button that would be fantastic leave us a rating and review on apple podcast and uh yeah tell your friends about us but until next time we will see you later see you